Hey everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Ingenuity Amplified, presented by Context Air. Ingenuity Amplified is a podcast all about conversations with intelligent people who care about people. The show hosted by artificial intelligence entrepreneurs who are experts in digital transformation. And, and now that we've built our hosts up with the expert label, a lot to live up there, fellas. We should introduce them and get to know them a little bit. Um, I'm your host, Steve Warren, and by no means the expert. But I am joined by Context Air founders Carl Byers and Gabe Batstone. First of all, Carl, nice to meet you. Pleasure to meet you as well, Steve. Yeah, and uh, Gabe and I have had a chance to meet a few times. It's great to talk to you again, Gabe. Great to hear from you again, Steve. And you know, as a longtime listener of you on other platforms, it's great to actually do a podcast with you. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting subject matter as well. And so why don't we start today, and, and we'll begin with you, Carl, uh, by helping our listeners better understand uh, maybe what they can expect from this podcast. Well, this this podcast is is really about um, about people, and and as you introduced it at the beginning, it's about you know finding ways that the ingenuity within people and across people can be amplified, and that we can take the skills and the knowledge that exists both in experts as well as in you know, everyday people and apply it to uh, improving lives and improving the way that people you know do their jobs and uh, and and go about their daily lives. All right, let's volley over to you, Gabe, for the same question. Well, hopefully they'll they'll find interesting conversation. And I think as I reflected back on Context Air and, and my career more generally, the thing that came up over and over again was actually people, as Carl pointed out. And what an interesting network that we've had as we've gone on this journey, uh, both here and at previous companies. And wouldn't it be great to share some of that interesting thing? You know, there's a bunch of people that we all know, um, but there's also a whole bunch of people we don't know. Right. And there's some really interesting ones in those. And can we introduce the listener to some people that they wouldn't have otherwise met and that lead them to some insights or some actions in the way they go about their day, their job, their life that they wouldn't have if they didn't listen. So hopefully we can add that value. I got to be honest, Carl, when when uh, Gabe and I first met and he told me he was with Context Air, I wasn't entirely sure. Well, first of all, even how to spell it, let alone what Context Air meant. So maybe you could give us some background on Context Air. Well, it's, it is one of those interesting uh, kind of naming choices for the organization. When we were looking to to, uh, to to establish the name for the company, we wanted something that really reflected what we do. And so uh, everything about what we do in, in the organization and the technology we build is about understanding a human's context in the, on the job and in the workforce or in the field and adding value to the information that they, they receive that is contextually related. So the whole idea of context is what started out everything that we're doing. And when we're looking at names and we're thinking, what, uh, what's, what's, uh, what, what maps to this? And, uh, and one of the things that came out for us was context error. Context error is actually a Latin word. It's the Latin word for context. And it, in, in, in the, the longer definition is to weave together. And that's really what we're about. We're about taking the information that exists across companies and within companies and weaving it together in interesting ways that extracts new insights that are contextually related to the the activity that a person is conducting. So that that's that's the origin. If your Latin is good, it's called uh, the company is Context Dere. If uh, for for all of the rest of us, me included, uh, we just go with Context Dere. <laughs> so yeah, that's that. that, that I'm going to go with Context Dere. I think I like that one. Um, so Gabe, maybe um, I mean, have you guys been lifelong friends? Have you been business partners for a long time? Let's talk about the journey, but 
with you and Carl getting together on this thing and how it all came to be. Well, yeah, I guess we've known each other for probably longer than I care to admit now. Um, so it's 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 measured in decades, not years. Um, and it was in a business context. So we met uh, through a lot of work in simulation and training, high technology industry, mostly in the defense environment here in, in Canada. And, you know, I, I was lucky enough early in life, uh, probably I would attribute to team sports to learn that having people who are better at stuff than you on your team is a good thing. Uh, and that's been very useful as a leader uh, over the years in different organizations, this idea of like bring smart people together. And as soon as I met Carl, I was like, that's a guy I need on my team. And so I've been um, trying to keep him on whatever team I've been for the you know plus 20 years now. Uh, and so worked it together as a consultant and, and then got him to join me at a, an augmented reality company that we ran together in Vancouver. And so it was there as that was wrapping up from our perspective that it came to came together as why wouldn't we just start something on our own? Right. And it was in fact, a mentor of mine, uh, out of California, a guy named Terry Cunningham, really smart individual, uh, in that same theme of, of Gabe surrounding himself with smart people. So he appears smarter than he is. And it's so far so good. Um, but he had said to me, you know, I was talking about ways that I could, uh, resolve some problems at a company that I was working for. And I, if I do this and I do this and I do that. And, and Terry said to me, he said, well, that's, that sounds really hard, but you know, I think you can do it. But he's like, wouldn't it actually be easier just to start your own company? And so, you know, I then spent five hours on a plane flying back from San Francisco, questioning life, all of my decisions up to that point and, and how I got here. Uh, and that eventually led to Carl and I talking about what would become known as Context Air. Uh, so I've known him a long time. We've worked together. And I suppose that was a, a real nice blessing is that, you know, we had a lot of work experience together and a lot of success together, to be honest, prior to starting Context Air. And so for me, it was a no brainer um, if, if he would join me to, to take on this adventure. And, and here we are five years into it, still uh, still going strong. Anything to add or correct in that story, <laughs> Carl? Well, I guess the, the, the one thing I will definitely add is he's far too humble. So I think the, that's one of the things that really is the, the value in this, uh, in this team and uh, the excitement of being able to work with Gabe on, on this startup, which is my, uh, uh, well, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, I guess, the second or third in the series, but this has been a lot more fun than the previous ones. And I think it's that complementarity and the skills and knowledge that, uh, that Gabe brings to the, uh, uh, to the domain and to running the business that, uh, that's, that's really you know, both exciting and makes this process a lot of fun. Uh, and I think the fact that we look at the world in similar ways, that even though we come at it from different points of view, uh, whether that's different points of view technologically, different points of view potentially for a business strategy, um, at the at the foundation, we have uh, a very uh, consistent way of looking at um, what we want to build and the value we want to bring to the world. So this isn't just about being a technology company, even though technology is really cool. It's really about impacting people, improving the um, the, the the societal value of of everybody, so that we can truly have uh, have uh, have have a workforce, a global workforce that is at its maximum productivity and and uh, for their personal benefit as well as the benefit of the world, which is, I think is really exciting. That's uh, to, to have that shared vision. So Carl, like give us a feel for the, the customer. It sounds like it could be extremely diverse based on your description of what context there can offer. Um, like who, what kind of people are you working with right now? 
You're absolutely right, Steve. The, the The foundation is of what we're building is is horizontal. It can be applied to many different industries, and uh, and that's where you know kind of one of the areas of the long term excitement for of what we're building uh, really is. However, um, again, as a startup, you need to focus and where our roots are and where we saw these problems consistently of people not being able to do their job effectively or have the right tools to do their job effectively was the what what's you know quote unquote the blue collar worker, the technician or technologist that is out uh, fixing, maintaining, repairing, and installing complex equipment. Their jobs really haven't changed that much. The technology that's made have been made available to them has not been changing uh, at the same pace as, as other, other technology areas have been. So they're often doing the job the same way that they used to do it uh, you know, 10 years ago, without the tools, without the productivity enablers, and, uh, and with just more pressure as the data environment changes. So we tend to focus on there's those industries where there's big complex equipment and large technical challenges related to repair, maintenance, and installation that if uh, if people get it wrong or if the systems go down, they're catastrophic con- consequences. And so we uh, we focus on uh, the aerospace and defense industry, smart infrastructure industries, and, uh, and oil and gas as our primary markets. Gabe, is there is there a specific customer that you're able to talk about? I don't mean I don't want to get into confidentiality issues or anything like that, but I'm sure there must be like a specific customer just to give people a a feel a specific feel for uh, the sort of customer that you deal with on on you know on a weekly monthly basis. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the advantages I suppose to to have had a, a successful and, and relatively long career up to this point is that you've got that network of people who trust you. And and so when we started Context Day, we were really able to go and for a small company work with companies that you wouldn't necessarily think a couple of guys with an idea would work with. So you know, one of our first customers was Lockheed Martin Aeronautics, you know, out of Texas. Another uh, customer of ours is Carrier, right? The sixteen billion dollar HVAC company, and of course one of our newer customers is Circo, which is a large multi-billion dollar systems integrator out of the UK, who also does work here in Canada, uh, primarily in the naval environment. And what we work on generally falls in those blue collar aspects, right? So one of the reasons for our tagline, blue collar AI, is that when we looked at the market and, and the problems we wanted to solve, everybody was focused on automation, right? It was like, how do you automate people out of jobs? And, and you know, we weren't a fan of that. You know, we believe in augmentation over automation, right? How do you create iron men and iron women? You know, we don't need Skynet and particularly for those blue collar workers. And so, you know, in the early days, the code name we had for the company was before context air was what's next is that right now, right? There's, you know, 33,000 or so blue collar workers at Lockheed Martin to be specific. Mm -hmm. And right now there's some of them, I guarantee you somewhere in the world standing beside a plane, a ship, a piece of equipment going, oh, what's next? They're not sure what's next, right? And that un- that lack of certainty, right, is a cost problem. It's a safety problem. It's an enjoyment of your job problem. No one likes to be confused on the job. And the vision that we kind of had was, what if machines could talk? Wouldn't it be awesome if you could just say, well, how do I how do I fix you, landing gear? Right. Or, or what is this? <laughs> what does this crazy A3742-9 error code actually mean? And could I fix it once you tell what's it mean? And so that was a bit of the vision. What if machines could talk? And and so 
when you get down to it, thanks to changes in devices, changes in the internet of things, changes in connectivity and a revolution really in artificial intelligence and machine learning, we're like, wow, we can do it. And we can do it for the people that previous generations of technology change left behind the blue collar workers, right? Who's looking out for them? Why do their jobs look damn near like they did in the 1970s with checklists and clipboards and, and really just having to figure it out? You know, we really left them behind. And so I get very passionate about this. You know, let's bring it to the last mile where people put warm hands on cold steel. They install, they maintain, they repair, they fix the equipment that keeps our society running, you know, whether it's a building, a plane, a train or a truck. And so, you know, that was really what got us, you know, me in particular excited about this talking to equipment. And of course, that evolved into into context air uh, and evolved into what you see today, which is these customers working primarily, you know, back to the original question, you know, in the maintenance repair overhaul is kind of a, a nice bucket that you can put what we do in. Um, but as I said, you know, we're very lucky to have big customers like those that I mentioned and, and we're looking forward to adding many more as the years go on. Certainly artificial intelligence, Carl, it has for the layman, a bit of a sci-fi sense about it. Is there uh, quite a bit of discussion that has to happen with prospective customers about ways that it can help in the blue collar side of things? I, I would have to think there's there's um, paradigms to be broken down here. Well, it's interesting because I, I've spent uh, my career um, applying technology to help people enhance skills and knowledge and improve knowledge sharing and collaboration on the job and across the organization. And one of the things that's really interesting is with um, machine learning and artificial intelligence more broadly coming to the forefront, it enables that learning and knowledge sharing to be much more relevant to people. There's, there's, there's there with, with the current state of technology, I mean, we, you can, you can ask Siri, you know, what's, uh, what's, uh, what's, what's the best restaurant near me? You can, uh, you know, you can ask Google assistant, uh, what's, what's going to be happening at the movies when, uh, once COVID reopens, allows us to reopen. Um, and so those underlying technologies that are with us now in our daily kind of, uh, our, our, our daily activities on our smartphones or, uh, or even on our smart watches, um, they allow a, a change in the expectations and, 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 and drive a change in expectations in, uh, in the blue collar workforce. They say, I can get this information instantly on my phone when I'm you know, at home. Why can't I get it when I'm at work? And so that's one of the things we're seeing is then there's a drive now within the work environment, largely driven by some of the, some of the employees to some extent saying, why do I have to work the old way? Why can't I get instant access to information just like I did at uh, uh, do at home? And so artificial intelligence and machine learning allows us to do that. And the underlying techniques uh, enable that to happen. Now, one of the things that we're doing is we're really focusing on highly technical domains where there's a very complex problem. Understanding the difference between a transistor and a transducer, or a utility power uh, utility pole versus a, a piece of landing gear, you're not going to ask Siri for how to fix a landing gear. You're not going to get a very good answer, and that's where we come in with highly specialized machine learning algorithms that are optimized to be able to gather that information from company data and be able to deliver that to the user on their mobile and wearable device. And it's really not designed as a, a dashboard or science project. It's about delivering that information to them in a way that improves their work by reducing their cognitive overload and reduces and decreases the amount of context switching they do on the job so that they were in front of that piece of equipment 
they can ask how to fix that piece of equipment. And they don't have to go somewhere else to get that information. They can get the information immediately on their phone using the machine learning algorithms we've built and the connections that we have developed to the backend data systems that organizations already have invested in. Gabe, is, there, is everyone, when you approach them with this for the first time, is everyone fairly receptive straight away or is there a learning process here? Is there any level of resistance in the early going? Well, it's certainly changed over the last few years, you know, even in the five years we've been around, Steve, you know, I remember when it first started, it was kind of robots versus humans. And if you were in the <laughs> AI space, you were evil, right? Like you're trying to take away jobs and, and there's front page, you know, articles in, in, you know, respected newspapers of where will the jobs of the future come from, right? We're not going to have jobs. And of course, in typical of human nature, you know, two years later, it's like, there's not enough people for all the jobs. How will we ever staff all these jobs? And, and so the pendulum swings back and forth, but I'd say now there's a lot less evangelism than there was, right? You know, you go in and people get it. And I think there's an underlying respect of the business problem that in some ways I describe uh, best through a, through a quote by Herbaut Simon, who's an economist. And he said, a wealth of information creates a poverty of attention, hmm. right? A wealth of information creates a poverty of attention. You know, and I think that really gets to it. And I, I certainly feel that in my, my personal life. And you can imagine in the work context of service manuals and bulletins in my own life, I want curated everything. Can you curate my music? Can you curate the podcasts I look at? Can we want information to be contextualized, right? We get back to context, right? You know, data without context is just information. When you add context to it, it becomes knowledge. And so I think that's the power. So people understand that challenge and that power. So it's a little bit bit different than it started. And things have evolved. You know, when we first started the, the company, we had to make up names for what we did. There weren't market categories, right? You know, it was like sci-fi, as you described. Well, now there's a thing called insight engines that's been defined by Gartner, who's kind of the gurus of technology and, and what works and what doesn't. Um, and in addition to being, you know, one of their cool technologies of 2020, they also more thankfully created a category uh, called insight engines that fit nicely for us. So now we're able to better describe what we do and how we do it. So I'd say it's changed a lot. Now, having said that, it's not easy when you're the emerging technology into big companies, right? Big companies resist change in the same way my grandfather would resist change, right? Like it's not going to be easy to pry him away from Wheel of Fortune at seven, no matter what other TV <laughs> show you might come up with, right? Just not happening. Um, but what we see is through groups like the World Economic Forum, you know, where we're a global innovator, the sea change is shifting. People understand that change and and there's nothing good that can come of a pandemic. But one of the outcomes certainly related to it was I think we all became aware that big ships can change, right? Big companies can change quick. We went from working in offices to working in our homes in about two weeks. And so I think people are more receptive at this moment in time to change and how they can do it. And a lot of that comes from leadership, right? At the end of the day, when you look at innovation, everyone likes to talk about innovation. It's pretty straightforward in how you innovate within any environment, but certainly in the business environment, right? Innovation is about change. Change is about risk. Risk is about culture and culture is about leadership. So like it or not CEOs, right? Innovation lands on your desk, right? You've got to create that culture where people are willing to have change. And I'm certainly seeing um, as the person out there pitching this, trying to help people understand where it goes and the value it can provide because hey, no one cares about technology. They shouldn't. They want an outcome, a business outcome. Um, as I'm out there doing that, I'd say people are much more receptive and much more understanding than they were in 2015. 
All right. So Carl gave a moment ago, talk briefly about, you know, talking about the early days of context there and when you first started. And if you are to go back and I don't know, have a conversation with the Carl that was starting out context there on day one, um, would that be, what kind of a conversation would that be? I guess it's a roundabout way of asking, are you happy with the progress of context there uh, since day one? That's always a, a, a tough one, Steve. As an entrepreneur, and I'm sure Gabe would say the same, you always want to go fast and you want to go faster. And so uh, there, there, <laughs> the challenge is balancing the speed with the uh, with the patience. And especially when you're dealing with large-scale industrial organizations, they have decision processes and structures all their own. And uh, luckily, Gabe and I have both been around those businesses for, for you know 20 to 30 years. And uh, so we know that uh, decision process can be slow. We know digital transformation specifically in those organizations um, is a challenge. Changing culture in organizations uh, has its roadblocks. So you have to be very patient and you have to be in it for the long game. And that's one of the things we actually bring to our customers is we, we know and we can communicate to them that we understand their businesses and their processes. We aren't a Silicon Valley company that's, uh, that's disconnected from the real, real world of industrial operations. So we can actually come to them and say, yeah, we know we we can get you there. Um, we're going to be here with you to help help get you there and help you on that transition. So I think going back to you know the five years ago, um, you know you always set these goals and say we want to do it tomorrow. Um, but patience is key. And I think as we've uh, reflected back over the last five years, we're really excited about where we have come to these Fortune 50 organizations that we're currently working with and excited to be able to say are part of our, our, our customer base um, is, is really a huge achievement. I think the fact that we've been profiled by Forbes, that Gartner has selected uh, Context Air as a, as a cool vendor in the digital workplace last year, that the World Economic Forum has selected and invited us to be part of the global innovator community. I mean, we're really um, both uh, being recognized at a level that's, that's, uh, that's very exciting and also um, engage with organizations that allow us to contribute directly to the thought leadership and the future of skilled work in the industrial world. Gabe, we'll throw to you. Well, I was just going to say, you know, one of the things I love about uh, the Silicon Valley and their many mantras, you know, is is these beautiful theories they have. And, and one that Carl's, you know, talk got me fired up about was this, you know, just go and break things, right? You know, <laughs> just break it. You know, that's a, it's like, yeah, no, no, that's not how it works in the industrial world, right? Like people who make fighter jets and airplanes and trains don't want to break things. That's that's not how it works, right? And, and I also, as a consumer of airplanes and trains and things, also don't want them to break things, right? It's a methodical, dedicated process of innovation. Um, and, and I always call it persistent patience, right? So you need to be patient, but you need to be persistent. And you need to understand that technological change in large Fortune 500, Global 2000 companies is not just about technology. And sometimes technology is not even the biggest part. It's about unions. It's about safety. It's about mission critical systems. It's about procurement. It's about schedules. It's about a bunch of things. So although it's great for a couple of kids in a garage in, in Santa Clara, California to come up with a great idea how to fix everything, <laughs> in the real world, the industrial world, the world we work in, um, domain expertise with a human centric context is actually more important. And I think that's why we've been successful and, and working with those people, you know, who we meet day to day, that's really kind of what motivates me. And connections with people. I mean, that's why this podcast exists. Um, I mean, every business is about making sales, but it, 
you really want to be my, more diverse than that, Gabe, that you want to make these connections and, uh, and, and have a life that's fulfilled and rich. And, uh, and that's part of this whole thing. The whole thing is about having conversations with really interesting people. And I, and I talk about this from the perspective of, um, you know, not every episode is going to be giving you all this information about context there. This is an introductory episode to things. So let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, some of the people these uh, interesting people that you have in the, in the network, Gabe, that will surely be featuring in upcoming episodes. Yeah, that's great. And thanks, Stephen. Obviously, it's what makes us passionate about our job. It's about passionate about Context Era. And the reason for this podcast was, you know, I, I laughingly kind of call it from Alabama to Afghanistan, right? As I've looked back on my career now and all the places I've gone and, you know, and it can be Aniston Ar Army Arsenal, right? In the middle of Alabama to Afghanistan with the Combined Security Transition Command, right? As a part of a U.S. Army trip. Twice I went to Afghanistan. Um, to being able to go to Palmdale, which is infamous in the R&D world, you know, so Skunk Works at Lockheed Martin, all these places like how in the heck did I meet these people or go these places? Like that makes no sense to me, but wow, it's kind of cool. And I'd love to share it with people. And so that was a bit of the idea, you know, Hey, you know, hired someone out of the Pentagon and, and been to the Pentagon many times. And it was just craziness. And, um, and so we're like, wow, general George Jowlin, right. One of my personal mentors and an advisor to this company. In fact, he just released a book on Amazon called Watchmen at the gates. Right. And, you know, he was in the Nixon white house and he was the Supreme allied commander of Europe for many years and just had a great, amazing life in the stories that he shared to one of our investors, Sean O'Sullivan, uh, founded a company called SOSV Ventures, you know, very amazing individual who's, who's inspiring startups around the world, but also big into autism research. And Jim Breen, right, another great friend of mine out of Ireland who started the Cycle Against Suicide, uh, but also runs this amazing business-oriented e-learning company and training company. And that's a bit of what I found as I looked at the people that we've met, you know, what inspired you? Like, why am I so impressed or attached to people? And often it isn't simply their accomplishments, you know, they're very accomplished, but it's also that that balance, right? That not only do they do really amazing things in their professional life, but they had this amazing personal side to their story. And sometimes that story had tragedy. Sometimes it was just a passion for an issue. Um, and, and I saw that early in Carl, right? They get a little bit back to, you know, how we started with Carl is I'll never forget. I was in Africa, you know, and I was doing a, a, a trek up Mount Kilimanjaro and Carl wasn't, we weren't working together at the time, but he was in Africa. I'm like, Hey, we should get together. So I email him and we get together and we meet in, in Nairobi, uh, for a lunch. And I'm like, so what are, what are you doing in Africa? I'm, you know, I'm just hiking up a mountain and maybe coming back down. We'll see. What are you doing? They're like, oh, you know, just, you know, working with child soldiers in Uganda. I'm like, what the Holy heck? cow. Right. Like what, what is going on? What are you doing? And, you know, and I was like, there's a balanced guy, right? Like someone passionate about, you know, other people in the world, a passion for United Nations, a passion for the, you know everyone around us, and I think that was a bit that something that we we both had, and and all of these people had, and and so as we thought about a podcast and and we thought about context airs, like I don't want to sit here every week. No one's coming in here to listen to me talk about a context air and our technology. It's interesting. It's amazing. Our people are amazing. But what's more interesting, I think, is the network of people. And it's really those relationships that's made Context Air so powerful, right? Is because it's knowledge that we have access to and people that we can learn from and information we can share with our customers so that when people work with Gabe and Carl, you're getting access to just so much more than what Context Air does. You're getting decades of knowledge and, and other people who are in our world 
helping you. And, and so it's pretty exciting and, and pretty, uh, amazing thing, you know, for me to get to share some of that and, and bring some of these characters on, um, that you'll see over the coming weeks and, and not the least of which of course is Carl himself. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about that. Uh, Carl staying with the same kind of theme, um, relationships have been a big part of this business journey for you as well, right? Absolutely. I mean, we, we, we kind of, we evolve and grow as, uh, as people um, through the relationships and the interactions we have. And it's not just about the book learning that we've done in high school and universities. And it's not just about the courses we take. It's about the people that we talk to and understanding their perspectives of the world that, you know, that enriches us individually. And also if we're, if we're in a work environment helps us to do our job better. And so I think that's, that's, that's that's really important for uh, for for me as well, and I think that was uh, you know one of the as, as Gabe says one of the enriching parts of uh, of our relationship going back many years and uh, and now launching this company. I think the uh, as we bring in uh, other experts into this podcast, you know, people from uh, like the 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 chief technology officer from uh, from IBM, uh, a brilliant guy who really has helped to formulate and drive a lot of our strategies strategy around some of the technical directions that we take and insights into market. Uh, even folks like Steve Feiner, who is an advisor, he's uh, you know, also known as the kind of the godfather of augmented reality. He was doing augmented reality and task-based uh, kind of learning solutions for technicians in the Air Force in the, uh, in the, in the 70s. I mean, this, this, this guy knows his stuff and knows where the warts are and knows where the problems are. And it, that allows people like us who are building a company and our our customers not to make the same mistakes. We can build off that learning and build that, bring that knowledge directly to our customers. And hopefully they'll share some of that through these podcasts as we go forward. Yeah. And Carl, it sounds like this has really been a labor of love that there's kind of this blurred lines between your work and your life's passions. But what are some of your non-work passions? They, they tend to blend together, right? Because that's like when when uh, when when work isn't work, it's because it's dry, driven by passion, right? And it's connected to the rest of the passions that we have, and that's very much uh, the way I've uh, I've looked at the the world and looked at uh, at what I try to do. Because then there's joy in every day, and and I think you know most of my life has been really focused, as I mentioned on the outset, about kind of improving the ability of uh, of, of of people to enhance their skills and knowledge and, and work with them to do that, whether that's in a technology company or whether that is in, in the work that I was doing in, uh, in, in Africa. You know, one of the things that I found is when you look at youth in particular, and that's one of my passion areas is, is, uh, is, um, uh, disadvantaged youth, whether they be in Canada or North America or whether they be overseas, um, there you know tremendous potential and productive capacity there. And sometimes situations like uh, civil war and displacement and refugee status uh, really limits an ability of a person to maximize their potential. And that was some of the work that I was doing in Africa, is working with child soldiers who were being reintegrated. Is how do you develop skills and break down those mental uh, the mental anguish and the barriers that uh, that 
could potentially keep them from becoming productive members of society. And more importantly, or equally importantly, ensure that the communities that they're reintegrating with truly accept them and value them and integrate them as productive members within their society. And I think that that underlying kind of foundation for me is, uh, is what drives a lot of things. You know, humans are inherently productive. We've got a deep capacity for, uh, for, uh, for, for both passion and knowledge development and improving the world. And, and uh, you know, everything that I try to do is really focused on that. You know, one of the things that we did in uh, kind of a, uh, that, I've, that we have going in the outside of context airspace is, um, you know, uh, I'm a co-founder of United World Voices, which is a registered Canadian charity focused on, you know, skills development and, uh, and capacity development, uh, pre-employment capacity development for at-risk youth. And that uh, that's a capability that enables us to develop those capacity for youth to improve their uh, their societal value, build self-esteem, and uh, and build the skills necessary to be uh, productive in the workforce, regardless of where they are, whether that's in Canada or whether that's overseas. So that's again, you know, these things tend to blend across. They're not they're not uh, distinct. It's not just a context air world and in a personal world. Um, they they uh, uh, kind of when that when the passion drives the foundation, it tends to promulgate across all aspects of life. Wow. I mean, as a host of this thing, I've got six or seven episodes already before you guys even bring in a guest where I want to talk to you more about Africa. I want to talk to you more about United World Voices. Gabe, I want to talk to you. Well, what was Afghanistan like? The you know, Mount Kilimanjaro and the Pentagon and autism. Uh, there's a lot of information that I want to kind of follow up on that we probably won't have time for in our first episode. But that's encouraging. we got lots to talk about. Um, but one of the things, Gabe, I wanted to ask you about was Tegan's voice. Um, tell us a little bit about that. It's such a tragic story. Um, you've only touched on it in our conversations over beers and things like that. But uh, I'd, I'd be keen to hear more uh, for the listener's perspective on what Tegan's voice is all about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, certainly anyone who knows me, and, and I suppose actually many people who don't know me, you know, know that, that I lost my daughter, my eight-year-old daughter, Tegan, to to murder in 2014. And and obviously, you know, that drove a lot of, of desire for change, right? You know, how do you prevent this happening? I'm a very action-oriented person. So how do you stop this? How can you prevent this from happening to another person? You know, the less people that we have in the Parents of Murdered Children Club in the world, the better we are. And that boiled down to, you know, children's rights. And, and of course, the reality is when you get into the complexity of any issue, whether it's business or personal, there are uh, a great quote from Ben Horowitz, you know, there are no silver bullets, just lead bullets. So it's just a lot of work. There's just a lot of different things you need to do. And, um, but it was one of the ways that we felt there could be a, the legacy of Tegan is, you know, if, if we can save only a few kids lives through better education about children's rights and, and people taking a step forward to make a difference in people's, um, in children's lives in particular and respecting them as individuals with, with rights, then, then we'll have, we'll have made a difference. So, you know, that's something obviously I'm passionate about and, and something that Carl and I both believe in is that, that you need to do things outside of your job that matter. And it all actually blends together, right? Like just be a good human, right? Just be a good person. There's no bad time to be a good person, right? Like just do good things and, 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 
good things will happen. And so, you know, even when bad things happen, you got to find a way to turn that and, and make a difference. And, and Tegan had two great, wonderful brothers who, who loved her dearly and who clearly I feel the same way about them. And it's my job to show them the example that the tragedy in life doesn't define you. It, it's what you do with it that defines you and what defines the legacy of the person you lost. And, and so just go forward. So certainly Tegan's voice is something that's pretty easy for people to learn about. If you, you want to, more information, of course, you can find many ways to contact me on the interweb, as they say. So, uh, yeah, something I'm passionate about. It's it can be uh, hard to talk about, but I've gotten decent at it, and and hopefully, you know, in Tegan's name, we make a difference. Incredible story and uh, wonderful initiative. Um, as we start to wrap things up today, fellas, uh, certainly one of the foundations of the show is uh, it, well to be interesting. That's that's the big one. And, uh, and hopefully entertaining, uh, lots of information, uh, but also to make sure listeners do at least one thing different from just listening. So to guarantee that we've had a good episode one, and I'll put this question to both of you fellas, uh, starting with you, Gabe, what is one thing each of you would ask the good listener to do differently than they might have otherwise? So I'm going to go with a real simple one. It's a it's a thing that's bugged me for a while, and I talk about it occasionally on the old speaking circuit, and it is I want everyone to stop one thing, and that is the stop of the use of low-skill, right? We talked a lot about high-skill workers and low-skill workers, and you know who that sucks for? Somebody who's defined as a low-skill worker, right? You know, And one of the beliefs I have in Context Air has foundationally is all humans are skilled. Right. And the difference to that is simply their access to technology, education and training. So let's stop calling uh, people low skill. They aren't low skill. They might be in jobs that are low skill, but the people aren't low skill. So I challenge people to make sure that they are careful with their language because words matter. Carl, how about you? So I, I'd say the, the one thing I'd highly recommend everybody do or encourage them to do is to mentor a youth. So there's 300 million youth around the world that are un, that aren't employed, that are not in school, or they're, uh, they're and they're not in training in some way. But they all have a tremendous capacity and value to society, and many of them are facing disadvantages that we can't even begin to understand right now, uh, given the uh, the complexity of the world that they're 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 growing up and coming into, especially those that are beginning to join the workforce. So, mentor a youth or a vulnerable, disadvantaged person, help them build their knowledge and their capacity and their confidence. Um, you know, there's there's uh, there's tremendous value to uh, to to you in doing that, uh, but uh, but equally importantly, tremendous value to the society and in the knowledge and skills that they can bring. We often think that we don't have the time for that kind of thing, but I would, uh, I'd prioritize that. Yeah. And like you say, it, it is gratifying to, uh, I do a little hockey coaching uh, have in the past and uh, it is really, really neat to see the blossom effect when some of these kids that aren't getting the things they need, socially speaking, that, uh, that they can, and, and, and as they move into adulthood, it's, it's amazing to see what they can accomplish. Um, again, as we begin to wind down today, fellas, um, and I'll put this to you, Gabe, we should talk a little bit about episode number two, when we're going to be joined by Peter Williams. Tell me a little bit about Peter. Well, Peter is a great uh, expert on technology and many things as a, uh, a longtime IBM guy who worked in smart cities. You know, he's worked in utilities. He's just got an amazing background. And I met him through a variety of different circles over the years, some, some shared network with some venture capitalists uh, out of uh, Toronto called McGraw Capital. And, and he just be one of those guys who captivates you. And, and I think you'll find, as you kind of mentioned about us, perhaps, you know, a bit of a global aspect. And, and certainly he's had some really interesting 
work around the world, working with the EU, working with the United Nations, and with a real specialization uh, around smart cities, as I said, but also water, which I always find fascinating. Right? One of those things we take advantage of. So I think some of the things I'd be interested to hear from him is is about smart cities in the aftermath of pandemic. You know, what's that look like now? You know, and and where's the water industry in regards to all this cool tech? And and sometimes we forget that water is a great source of, uh, unfortunately, people who want to do us harm. You know, power and water are two of the things where you can do a lot of harm. And, and we saw that with the recent hacking event uh, that was in Texas. So let's talk a bit about that. And and also, I always love his perspective on the pitfalls of, of IoT and AI. So technology is great. Hey, you got a couple of AI entrepreneurs here who love technology, uh, but, but it isn't all roses, bunnies and lollipops. So no better person than Peter to talk about that. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. Well, that was great, guys. Uh, that'll do it for our first full episode, and we hope uh, everybody enjoyed it. The website to get a hold of the guys is contextair.com. You can catch the spelling on the artwork of the podcast. Uh, my name is Steve Warren, and for Gabe Batstone and Carl Byers, thanks for being with us, and we'll talk to you next time.